LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening, each and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Well, hopefully, you can all hear me very well this week. Johnny and I are back in the main studios. We're not out at the repeater anymore. We don't have a hot mic and the big LMC Radio Network High Fidelity, 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 Intelity conversion has been complete. And that means that now you should be able to hear each and every show on the LMC Radio Network in fabulous, stirring, amazing, and terrific High Fidelity. Last week, as you know, Johnny and I were out at the repeater while they were here in the studio doing all the technical work. We had a hot mic in a tiny 15-foot square room. 
sweltering. But that was then and this is now. As to what's going on this week around these parts, well, let me tell you, tonight is going to be a hot show. In fact, I'm pretty sure that tonight we may run over because I have a lot to say. But before I get into that, let's just talk a bit about what's going on here at the old homestead. Well, the grandbabies are still off visiting their other grandparents and they'll be home mid August and I'm missing them terribly, the little crocodiles. And the heat mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts. Yesterday we had a heat index of over 105 degrees. So it's normal summer in Texas. Luckily, we got all the rain and flooding because, well, now at least we're not in a drought. Otherwise, all is going well at the old homestead. However, there are other things afoot in the world and afoot in Texas. And I'm going to talk about it a bit before we get on to the news, before we get on to the pontification, whatever. And be warned, I am not going to hold back. And if you're easily offended, this might be the part where you step away and go, well, give them 10 minutes, I'll come back and listen to the funny parts and the magic and all that coolness. Some of you, I hope, have been keeping track of the Sandra Bland case that's going down on down here in Texas. And if you haven't, let me fill you in very quickly. Ms. Sandra Bland, an African-American young lady from Illinois, was coming down to Texas to accept a new job at her alma mater of A&M, and along that time, while she was driving in Texas, she was pulled over by a Texas state trooper. This state trooper had been following her very closely for no stated reason. Let me say that again, no stated reason. Meaning he had not said that he thought there was any sort of criminal activity going on with her vehicle. She didn't, hadn't been speeding. There had been no altercation. He had no, had no uh, APB out for a similar vehicle, etc. But he was following her very closely. And so she pulled over to let him pass her, which is the appropriate thing to do with any sort of municipal vehicle. And when she did so, she failed. Now wait for it. Wait for it. He failed to turn on her signal to indicate that she was going to change lanes. Not make a turn. 
change lanes. And so in his supposed infinite wisdom, that was all he needed. So he pulled her over. He got out of his vehicle. State trooper went up to her in a very aggressive manner and began to basically engage her in a extremely aggressive way. Long story short, she got pulled out of the car. She got somewhat physically assaulted by said officer. She got taken to jail. This is on a Friday. She made some phone calls. She had to post bail. Monday morning, they went to release her, and they found her dead in her cell. And they are saying that she committed suicide. Today, there was a report released after an autopsy by the powers that be that say that the cause of death is suicide by hanging and that she had, having done a toxicology screen, had either ingested or smoked a large deal of marijuana before she committed suicide. Those are the quote-unquote facts. That is what has been stated. And I got something to say about this. Once again, I am not trying to step on the toes of my dear friend and sister Beverly Smith and her show In the Streets. But my dear Beverly has been very busy with some other matters and she hasn't been able to do her show in the past two weeks. And I think she will forgive me for spotlighting this and very important issue. And even if I was stepping on the toes of any other show in the LMC network, all I can do is apologize because I am riled hell up about this. And there's no way I can't say anything. I refuse to keep silent. Let me go back and start at the beginning. They stopped her not turning on her turn signal when she changed fucking lanes. Let me tell you something. I live in the state of Texas. I've lived here my entire life. From the moment I came out of my mama to the moment you're hearing me right now. And I have been on many a highway, byway, county road, dirt road, gravel road, in this state. And I have never in my life been pulled over or been in a car that was pulled over for failure to use a turn signal. Nor do I know anyone that has ever been pulled over for any such minor traffic violation without them simply being spoken to, perhaps given the lightest of tickets, almost always never, 
and let the hell go. But Miss Bland did something. She did something that I am told is egregious. She did something I am told she shouldn't have done. She did something that I have seen people today smirk and guffaw and sneer about. And what she failed to do, she failed to kiss this officer's ass. She failed acquiesce to him to submit to him. I'm not saying she failed to obey him. I'm saying she failed to act in an overtly submissive manner to this officer. He said, put out your cigarette. He didn't say, show me your cigarette. I believe that cigarette to be marijuana. He said, put out your cigarette. She, quite rightly, under her rights and under the law and under your rights, refused to do so. That escalated the situation. And everyone is in agreement that that escalated the situation. And people are on a number of different sides about this, but everybody says, yep, that's when it starts to go bad. Well, actually, it starts to go bad the minute he stops her for this bullshit. But here's the post that I'm going to hitch my horse to. I have seen people today who are very, very comfortable with her arrest, with her physical manhandling, and with her death because she, quote, talked back to a police officer, because she, quote, did not obey the police officer, because she, quote, did not act in a manner she was supposed to. Well, this is what I have to say. Fuck you. Fuck you. I did not understand that we had become comfortable living in a police state. Now, I know. I know the rules, and I play the game. Cop pulls me over. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. One for my mistress. One for my dame. One for the boy who lives down the lane. What you want me to do? What? Of course, I'll stand on one foot and recite the Greek alphabet backwards while twirling my arms into counterclockwise position. Of course. But why do I do that? I do that because I don't want the cop to kick my ass. I do that because I don't want the cop to arrest me, to manhandle me, to possibly kill me. And everyone that I've heard today, to some degree, is saying she shouldn't have done that. But here's the problem. Herein lies the rub, as the bard would have said. When did we get to that point? When did we get to that point that these fuckers are the Gestapo? Oh, Goodwin's Law, you broke... Fuck Goodwin's Law! The Gestapo was formed out of the German police force. They weren't the fucking SS. They used to be the police before they became the Gestapo. Many Gestapo agents was a good old-fashioned, able-bodied, beat-walking cop who was just doing his duty under the state. So I picked that word and that name, that proper noun, quite intentionally. When did we get to the point that we all collectively agreed that if we don't kiss the ass of the officer, if we don't bow down, if we don't acquiesce, if we don't act in a submissive manner 
That means our lives are at jeopardy. Our safety is at jeopardy. These are not my masters. These are my servants. I don't want to go a step further. I know a load, just a boatload, just a huge boat, like, I don't know, like the freaking Titanic, full of white people. That's right, I said it, white people, who are all pro-Second Amendment. I'll walk around anywhere I want with a guy. I'll do this. I, I don't answer questions for the cops. Show me the warrant. Do this, do that. Bobbity, 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 bob. Well, officer, I'm going to quote chapter and verse of the law to you. And they walk. They don't get thrown on the pavement. They don't get handcuffed. They don't get beaten. They don't mysteriously, mysteriously hang themselves with garbage bags after ingesting marijuana. No. They walk. They walk. Want to know why? Because they've got the complexion for the protection. Now, right about now, somebody, either right now listening to me or in the future listening to me or tomorrow listening to me, whenever listening to me, you're going to roll their eyes and go, oh, he's going to make this all about race. Fuck you. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of this. This woman got pulled over for no good reason. She got roughed up for no good reason. Oh, by the way, he wanted to charge her with resisting arrest, but he didn't. Instead, he charged her with assaulting an officer. Now, luckily for him, she supposedly assaults him once he takes her off to the sidewalk out of the view of his dash cam. He doesn't take her to the side of her car. He takes her behind her car closer to his so she can't be seen. And then he says, well, she kicked at him. But originally, he wanted to charge her with resisting arrest, except he hadn't arrested her yet. So in other words, you're being arrested for resisting arrest. What was I, what, what am I being arrested? What arrest was I resisting? You were arrest, you were resisting, being arrested for resisting arrest. That's a closed fucking circle. Can we follow basic logic? Now let's move on. Here's a young woman, prime of her life upbeat, passed a screening document when she came in, didn't say she was depressed. Family said she was in good spirits, on her way to start a new job, who then hangs herself. Why? Well, we don't know, we don't care. Now they have the unmitigated gall to tell us that she either smoked or ingested a large amount of marijuana the old devil weed, while she was in jail. Might have had to do with the suicide, we don't know. Okay, toxicology resort. Now, how did she get this marijuana? Let me give you some facts. She was held in a cell designed for the holding of up to five prisoners, five female prisoners in this case, by herself. There was nobody else in the cell with her. She was taken in, booked, and put into 
jail clothes, the orange jumpsuits. So where was this marijuana? Where was this marijuana? This large amount of marijuana, large enough that after death, it showed up in a toxicology screening. Where was this marijuana? Where did she get it from? And may have ingested or smoked. You know, I'm not a doctor, not a medical doctor, but I know a little few things about forensics. And if she had ingested the marijuana prior to her death, within a period of about nine hours, if she had ingested it, it would have been found in her stomach or her lower intestine. That's what happens when you ingest things. You eat them, your body has to break them down. It stays in the stomach. Coroner's report did not say, autopsy did not say, we found it in her stomach. They said, she might have ingested it. She might have ingested it. Wow, this is some pretty potent pot that she got a hold of. But she may have smoked it. Oh, okay, she may have smoked it. She's in a jail cell back in the being held by herself. They're supposed to check prisoners every hour on the hour. And the hallway's full of pot smoke and nobody noticed. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Now, some of you may know that I used to kind of work in radio. Nothing big. I wasn't, you know, Imus or whatever. I didn't have a national-wide show. Whatever. Little tiny, rinky-dink, local shit. But there are certain things that you're taught in radio. Things you're not supposed to do. And things you're supposed to do. And I'm, with apologies to my sponsors, about to throw that the fuck out the window. This woman was killed. I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to say that. That's against radio ethics. It's against broadcasting and journalism ethics. I'm not supposed to say that because I don't know it to be a fact. But I said it. Write it down. I said it. This is a cover-up. I'm not supposed to say that. But I said it. This is as hinky as hinky gets. Right about now, some of you that tuned in early are going, why is he going on about this? Because I can't not go on about this. Tune out if you must. I beg you not to, because this affects you. I want you to know that today I have seen numerous statements from people, primarily white people, exclusively white people, who've said, it's over. Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. Move on. Kill herself. Y'all wanted to make this about race, but she took the coward's way out. She was a drug dealer. She talked back to the cop. She got what she deserved. Well, I got news for you, friends. Whether you think this or not, whether this comes up into your consciousness or not, you've got to consider that statement. Because you may think that you live in some little bubble. But you're protected. 
You may believe in your heart of hearts this only happened to her because, quote, she deserved it. You may believe that this happened to her because she did something she wasn't supposed to. What you're saying is, I know I'll always do what I'm supposed to. But what you're supposed to be saying is, I am not peace or in agreement with my system of justice being run this way by my servants. That's what you're supposed to say. But you're not saying that. And the day will come, and I promise you this, I may not be here. I may be old and gray and a rocking chair unable to hear anymore and thanking my blessed God of my ancestors that I can no longer hear. But there will come a day when this doesn't happen just to African-Americans. Your neck's on the line, too, because these are your servants. This is your criminal justice system. Baby, that's you, too. And if you don't believe that, well, then you're writing off that it's okay to happen to some other group. And you're saying that other group aren't exactly citizens. And you're saying that other group doesn't enjoy the same rights and privileges that you do. And finally, I'd like to know where all you people that like to use the word sheeple, a word I hate, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? If Obama farts up wind from you, you lose your fucking mind. You lose your mind about everything, but you're not losing your mind about this or all the other cases of other people who are turning dead in Jason. You have conspiracy theories about how airplane fuel isn't hot enough to melt steel girders, but you're not saying a goddamn thing about a lightweight trash bag that's not supposed to be in a jail cell to begin with can be used to hang a woman who mysteriously has marijuana in her system. You'll roll your eyes at the magic bullet, but you won't roll your eyes at this. You suddenly change your colors, oh ye horses. And I'm tired. And as always, what does this have to do with hoodoo? Man, if you don't know what this has to do with hoodoo at this point, I don't know what the fuck to do with you. I just don't know. This has everything to do with hoodoo. This has everything to do with hoodoo. Do I believe she was hoodooed? No. But it has everything to do with this. Anyway, that's what's going on over here. If I went on, oh well, I went on. Up next, we want to go across the hall. And this week, back to our own Wink Winkerson with the news. Take it away, Wink. Good evening. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, the 204th day of 2015. There are 62 days left until autumn begins and 161 days left 
in the ear. Today is an auspicious day to cut hair to encourage growth. Tomorrow will be an auspicious day to animals above crops and slaughter livestock. Today's highlight in history comes from July 23rd, 1945, French Marshal Henri Pétain, who had headed the pro-Axis Vichy government during World War II, went on trial charged with treason. He was convicted and condemned to death, but the sentence was commuted to life in prison. Also on this day, in 1951, Pétain died in prison. Also on this date, in 1886, a legend was born as Steve Brody claimed to have made a daredevil plunge from the Brooklyn Bridge into New York's East River. There are doubts if the dive actually ever took place. In 1914, Austria-Hungary presented a list of demands to Serbia following the killing of Archduke Franz Ferdinand by a Serb assassin. Serbia's refusal to agree to the entire ultimatum led to the outbreak of World War One. In 1952, Egyptian military officers, led by Gamal Dal Nasser, launched a successful coup against King Farouk I. In 1967, a week of deadly race-related riot rioting that claimed 43 lives erupted in Detroit, Michigan. In 1984, Vanessa Williams became the first in Miss America to resign her title after nude photographs of her taken in 1982 were published in Penthouse magazine. In 1985, Commodore launched its Amiga 1000 personal computer during a press event at New York's Lincoln Center. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to actress Gloria de Haven, who is 90. Supreme Court Justice Anthony M. Kennedy is 79. Dr. Ronnie Cox, 70. Actor Larry Manti, 72. Rock singer David S. 68. Singer-songwriter John Hall, 67. Actress Belinda Montgomery, 65. Actress-writer Lydia Cornell, 62. Actor Woody Harrelson, 54. And rock musician Slash is 50. Our thought for the day comes from one month of all. Ecuadorian essayist and political writer, born 1832, died 1889, who said, There is nothing harder than the softness of indifference. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now send you back to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers gonna show for you and me. Superstitious, or even makes me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me make you bleed. Heaven's peace. Hey, that's mommy. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in goof of dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you'll be in heaven. 
Oh, yes, and you need not just get your lucky numbers from the Nicholas Brothers. Oh, no, because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. And this week's lucky numbers, as always, comes from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and give it a look? And they are 6, 11, 25. 27, 41, and 44. Once again, those lucky numbers this week are 6, 11, 25, 27, 41, and 44. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 108. That's 108. 578. That's 500. And 78. And again, another very hot number that I have a lot of confidence in. And last week's confident number hit in several places is 723. That's 723. The card of the week this week is the Three of Diamonds, a benefactor, help from others. Be honest and act responsibly. Progressing from last week's seven of clubs, this week we see aid from others coming to ourselves and our endeavors. A week for honest and responsible action if we truly wish help. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday. So check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then... Good luck to you all. Up next, the professor pon the professor's pontification. This week, we're going to be asking just what sort of guru are you? The mystery man came over and he said, I'm out of sight. He said, for a nominal service charge, I could reach Nirvana tonight. I was ready, willing, and able to pay him his regular fee. He would drop all the rest of his pressing affairs and devote his attention to me. But I said, Look here, brother. Who you jiving with that cosmic debris? Now, who you jiving with that cosmic debris?
out. So take your meditations and your preparations and ram it up your snout. But I got a crystal ball! He said and held it to the light. So I snatched it all away from him and I showed him how to do it right. I got the newspaper around my head So I looked like I was deep I said some mumble-jumble then I told him he was going to sleep I robbed his rings and rocket watch And everything else around I had that sucker hypnotized He couldn't even make a sound I proceeded to tell him his future then As long as he was hanging around I said The price of me has just gone up and your old lady has just gone down. Now is that a real poncho or is that a Sears poncho? Don't you know, you could make more money as a butcher. So don't you waste your time on Shanti. <laughs> that was Frank Zappa, who I dearly miss, with Cosmic Debris. And it leads us in our professor pontification this evening, which is, what kind of a guru are you? Or look out for that dark shadow over your left shoulder. We have talked here on the show about a number of different mm, curves and dangers and uh, things to look out for along the path as one wishes to become a spiritual worker and primarily a con worker, hoodoo worker, root worker. But we haven't talked about one very, very important important individual and we're going to talk about them tonight tonight we're going to talk about the out and out fake the scam artist the duplicitous slithering wicked money-grabbing client overbearing scam artist. A lot of people refer to this as the gypsy scam. And that is what it has been known for a long, long time, particularly here in America. Because of friends that I have who are uh, Romani or of Romani descent, I no longer feel comfortable saying that any more than I'd say the kike scam. But that's what it's called, and you should know that, because you may later want to go out and, you know, check this out on your own. This is primarily something that you encounter in root work, in hoodoo, in conjure, 
once you start to become a professional worker, but not exclusively. But when you become a professional worker, you start to encounter it a lot. And let me explain to you how you encounter it a lot. You start to have clients, honest, good-natured, hard-working people who come to you to get work done of whatever spiritual or magical dimension that is. It doesn't matter. It can be anything. Love work, court case work. They've got someone who is uh, troubled in their family. And when they come to you, they are sometimes very, very worried, very anxious, and a little cowed because they report to you that they have recently or in the past gotten taken. They've gotten conned almost always for, well, at least what I consider in my life to be large sums of money. And I'm just a common everyday guy. I live in a common everyday house, common everyday family. We struggle. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're down. We're just making our way like everybody. And when someone says to me, I got scammed or cheated out of five thousand dollars that makes my heart skip a beat i five thousand dollars holy crap five thousand dollars what are you talking about and if it would just in there that would be terrible that would be bad enough but sometimes gotten taken for seven thousand dollars ten thousand dollars twelve twenty thousand dollars and there's a tendency for some of us to sit back on our heels and go, how the hell can anybody get taken for that amount of money? They must be stupid. That's why I want to talk to you about this. Because you need to understand what happens. Okay? You need to understand what's going on here. And you need to do a little adjustment. You need to turn a screw about one-eighth of an inch one way or another so that you can stop thinking of these people as silly or stupid or gullible because a con is designed to con people all right now in the old days long long before i was born there was a breed of con man who took particular pride in the fact that they only conned people with cons preyed upon that individual's greed or action, their own wickedness. And so they felt somewhat justified. I'm not stealing from anybody that wasn't stealing. I'm not taking from anybody that wasn't taking. I'm not cheating anybody who wasn't a cheater. Those days are long gone, my friends, long gone. There's no amongst thieves. What happens here is this. Someone who has a need for spiritual work, and often a profound need 
meaning it's something that they're deeply troubled over. This con doesn't normally work on people who are just looking to, you know, well, I just wish Bob would call me more. This works with people who have serious problems. Finds a worker, and normally this worker is kind of on the outer fringes. Normally this worker isn't what we would think of as an established worker. Fly-by-night kind of situation. And you'll understand why they have a fly-by-night situation here in a little bit. And our desperate but hardworking client goes to them. Often, the way this starts is with a reading. And that reading, this supposed spiritual worker, this supposed psychic, this supposed magician sees vague yet ominous omens and signs, terrible things. And this reader often cold reads the client. If you don't know what that means, you need to go educate yourself. That's not tonight's subject. Perhaps it will be some other time. But what it, for use of our conversation, what it means is they say things that they know are going to get a response out of almost any human in almost any place. And, you know, just common little kind of canned things. You know, you do more for people than people do for you. You're always working very hardly, but no one seems to appreciate you. You're underloved. You have so much love in you, but you're not given the love. You little things. Things that, that address part of what many people feel inside themselves as part of a normal day-to-day -day basis. And once the client is starting to say to themselves, wow, this person really has sight, this person really knows what's going on, then out come the ominous, dire omens and signs. There's a shadow behind you. I see a pall over you. I see a spectral figure standing at your left hand. I see a curse, a curse on you. There's something troubling you. You don't know what to do with it. Now, if the scam artist has been able to find out that the person is recently widowed and is a widow or a widower, there's, there's a death and there's such loss. There's such loss. And I, there's something There's something that's come to you that's, that's troubling you and you don't know what to do with it. And it has the pall of death on it. And we work our way around to it being the money. This is one example. So this con artist says, oh, I'll help cleanse the money for you. Well, how am I going to cleanse the money? Well, you're going to bring me the money, obviously. And we'll sew it up in a paper bag. We'll sew it up in a cloth. We'll do something with it. And then I'll do my thing over it. And you take it back and keep it tied up for, let's say, oh, 60 days, 90 days. And uh, don't spend any of it. Don't open the packet so that all the evil be cleared from it. And then it'll be fine. You can take it at, back out of the sack or whatever and put it back in the bank. Of course, in those 90 days, I'll be gone because I've switched the money. And you've got a, pa a, pa a packet full of paper. That's just one example. That's a switch. In another example, which we see far too often these days, what happens is the supposed spiritual worker 
starts a psychological game with the client that involves both I am the only person you can trust, I am the only person that can help you, and at the same time cowing the client. So the client is somewhat afraid of the worker because the worker has the answer and has the power. And you have this terrible thing on you and I can get the terrible curse off of you that's the whatever. It comes from any number of things. Whatever sounds best to fit that walked in the door or called on the phone. It's a generational curse. It's because you did something wrong. It's something from your past. It's an ex-lover. It's the spirit of an ancestor. It's either this goes on and 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 on. You crossed a black gator on a path in the middle of the whatever. And I can get it off of you. But it's going to cost health worth. What's your well-being worth? What's your sense of peace worth? Well, it started a thousand dollars. Or five hundred dollars. Or seven fifty. Sounds a little reasonable sometimes. It's not at all reasonable, but we start up here at five thousand. We start down here. Maybe we only start with two fifty. Four hundred. This is the only thing that will do it. This is the only thing that will help you. Nothing else will help you. No one else can help you. But I've got a crystal ball. So you pay. And the work doesn't happen because we're talking about a con artist. This is an illegitimate worker. No candle is burnt. No spell work happens. No cleansing happens. Nobody drags their ass out to your house and gives you a spiritual bath. Nobody teaches you how to take a spiritual bath. Nobody sends you supplies. Money exchanges. You're told that in good faith, something will be done for you. But nothing is done for you. Well, of course, the situation doesn't alleviate itself. And it can't. Because A, you haven't changed anything about yourself, even if there was a problem. B, the worker didn't actually do any work, because the worker's not actually a worker. C, it was all made up to begin with. It was just preying on your own insecurities, your own fears, your own problems. Magnifying them. Literally, making a mohill into a mountain. Making a little fly into a monster. So, you go back. Maybe you go back of your own power. Maybe you go back because you have another appointment scheduled. Of course, at the suggestion of the worker. It didn't work. Well, it's a terrible situation. Your ancestors are very upset. This spirit, I fought with the spirit over the last three days. It's, I'm exhausted. Blah, 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 blah. This thing happened. But I can do this thing. And this thing costs more. If we started at 500, this thing costs 1,000. And it goes on and on and on and on like that. Manipulating you. Stringing you along. All the while cowing you too. All the while. All the while, making you more and more submissive to the great and powerful con artist. Until one day you turn around and you've spent $7,000 or $10,000 or $20,000. Not all at once, but not a dollar at a time either. Now it's easy, far easy, to blame the people. Well, you idiot. Why didn't you know? Well, you jackass. Come on, you should have known you were being conned. It's all too easy 
to take some smug Christopher Hitchian position and go, well, if people weren't so superstitious and didn't believe in all this nonsense, and in fact, the very roots of all religion itself is basically, a, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. Your way, highway. No sympathy, no empathy, no understanding. Let's blame the victim. Why not? It's a terribly popular sport in our culture. We love to blame the victim. I was on my way home, and these three men grabbed me and pulled me into an alley and raped me. Well, what were you wearing? Didn't you know better than to be walking alone at that time of night? What were you even doing in that neighborhood? The cops pulled me over because I didn't use my turn signal to change lanes. Well, why didn't you obey the cop? Why didn't you just say yes or no? See, we love to blame the fucking victim. We love it. A, it makes us feel superior. I'm so smart and clever. That would never happen to me. <laughs> What's the problem with that? The problem with that is that A, it's false pride. It's smug assholishness. And it's the friend of the con artist. Because if so sure that you're so smart that it would never happen to you when it does fucking happen to you baby guess what you do not a goddamn thing you don't tell anyone because pride cometh before a fall and you've been so outspoken and so sure and so that something like this could never happen to you you're now ashamed to admit it and that helps the con artist so that's our first response our second response is, well, they got what they deserved. They got what they deserved. They should have known better. Well, the problem with that is that's a friend of the con artist. Because you're literally saying, hey, caveat emptor, baby. If you got taken for $7,500, hey, your fault. Which means you're not doing anything about it. You're a fucking ally. You're an ally. But at the end of the day, what you're failing to realize is that you're in the spiritual business. You're in the magical business. <clears throat> at the top of the show, I talked about how the police are your servants. I talked about how if you're not going to stand up for Sandra Bland, your ass is on the fucking line too. This is the same thing. This is your business. Every time this happens, it makes someone like you look dirty. The statement that some people say is there are no good cops because if there were good cops, the good cops would turn in the bad cops. I don't like umbrella statements. I don't like sweeping generalizations. But I have to say that this one comes dangerously close to the truth. We need more policing of the police by the police. And if every officer upheld the law and was absolutely intolerant of other officers breaking the law, the situation would change very damn quickly. Or they'd all end up shot in the face like Serpico. 
If you don't know who Serpico is, go out and find out. Frank Serpico. So now this is us, though. This isn't the police. This is us. We must police our own. Otherwise, we become complicitous. Well, why don't they do something about it? Why don't they do something about it? Well, did you hear me earlier talk about how as this process goes on, the individual gets made more powerless, more subservient, more cowed to the worker? They don't do something about this often because they're scared to death of the worker. They still believe the worker has some kind of innate power. Now, 99% of the time, the worker doesn't have anything because the worker is literally just a con man. Just somebody with a rag tied on their head fucking pulling a scam. But see, these people are terrified of the worker. Well, if I outed them, they would curse me. And here's another thing you need to consider. You're going to end up with these victims as your clients. They're going to come to you, and then it's going to be your job to pick up the pieces. You're going to be dealing with people who have been taken for thousands of dollars, who have been made and helped to be helpless, more helpless than they were, who have been cowed, who are fearful, who are traumatized, who are devastated. And although Christopher Hitchens would snort that they went on to another spiritual worker and probably say they deserve whatever they get, they've come to you in good faith for a number of reasons. A, blind chance. B, hopefully somebody else said, honey, you've gotten scammed. You need to go to a real person. You can go to Miss So-and-so. You can go to Dr. Whoever. You can go to Mr. So-and-so. You can go to Brother So-and-so. You can go to Deacon this. You can go to Tata whatever. They're the real deal. I know that I've worked with them. They didn't take me for a lot of money. And there comes your responsibility again. You don't police yourself and others. Then who will? I am very lucky. I am very, very lucky because I was able to become a part of and help to some extent with the creation of of the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who just fucking hate air. I don't know why, but they do. They just hate air. There are a variety of reasons. Some people have racial issues. Some people have class issues. Some people just don't like competition. I don't fucking know, and I don't fucking care. But I was lucky to be at the very ground floor, you know, when we laid the cornerstones for air. And what is AIR? AIR is exactly what it sounds like. It's an association of readers and readers who are put together to do exactly what we're talking about, to police each other, to make sure that the workers uphold a standard of ethics and ethical conduct. In fact, you can go to find the code of ethics and ethical statement of AIR. Has this all been some big fucking ad for air? No, not at all. My dear friend, 
how I miss him. Dr. E, Eddie Gutierrez, helped put together a similar organization that had to do with Santeria called SAFE. The point is, we must police our own. We must. Because every time one of these sons of bitches does this, it makes us all look dirty. Every last one of us. And I'm not making this up. I have had numerous clients come to me with this story. It's cross-cultural. It's not just hoodoo. It's not just card readers. It's across the board. Santeros, quote-unquote Santeros. They're not actually Santeros. Paleros, they're not actually Paleros. In time, if it, because I'm not educated, but it may have already happened. If it hasn't already happened, it certainly is going to happen. There will be people saying they're involved in Kimbanda who aren't. See, we've talked already about the thief and the joker. We've talked already about all those cats. And this is where it goes, kids. This is where it goes. Somewhere down the line, somebody gets a get-rich-quick scheme in their head. And you have to educate yourself about it so that you can warn your clients. Because sometimes a client will call you before they've gotten 100% taken. Because something inside them, whether it's their own sensibility, their own intelligence, their own spirit, their guardian angel, the prayers of others, God, whatever, tells them something's wrong here. And they'll call you, you see. But they won't say outright, I'm working with somebody else and I'm worried they're a fraud. Can you tell me they're a fraud? Very rarely do they do that. Very, very rarely do they do that. Every once in a while. But very, very rarely. Instead, what they'll do is they'll conversationally guide you and say things like, well, I'm looking to have some love work done. I'm with a worker right now, and she tells me that there's a really good chance I can get my husband back. But uh, we're hoping to, to make it a uh, uh, an even better chance that my husband comes back, an absolute. But she says that's going to cost $4,000. And sometimes they'll very quietly say, what do you think about that? Other times they'll just let it hang. They'll just let it hang to see what you'll do. And this is a desperate moment for you. This is a desperate and terrible moment for you because right now, when that happens, you have to face yourself. You don't have to face anybody else. You don't have to face any organization that you belong to. You don't have to face any power you serve. You don't have to face any force you're allied to. You're alone, baby, to say, what am I going to do? Am I going to say to her, that's bullshit? Am I going to call another worker out? And what does that mean for me? And how much trouble will that start for me? But you have to. You have to. Because if you don't, you're complicitous. I'm not talking about legally. I'm talking about morally. I'm talking about ethically. You're now a part of the scam. You have to at least say, heavens, I've never heard of anyone ch charging that much. 
Oh my goodness, that sounds like a lot. Oh, I'd be careful. Or you have to say, well, what did she, you have to probe and get more information so you can make a better decision. And you have to say to yourself on day one, when you open a practice and you become a worker, that there's a certain point you won't go past. Listen, there are spiritual and religious ceremonies performed by completely reputable people, Santeros, Paleros, the list goes on, that cost a lot of fucking money. I mean, a lot of money. And you know why it costs a lot of money? Because there are a lot of people involved. And those people have to be paid and fed. There are a, a, a group of drummers. There's all this food we have to buy to feed people for three days during this thing that's going on with you. There's this supply, there's supply. And that person, actual worker, that, that priest, that individual can show you exactly how the money you know, breaks down. And in fact, at the end of the day, they make very damn little money off it. But they can show you. Okay? So you have to educate yourself. You have to go out and talk to Santeros, Paleros, Quimbanderos, and say, how much? not that I'm interested, but I need to know, you know, when people call me, blah, blah, blah. You need to associate with reputable people. You need to educate yourself so you know. And even in that line, you have to still at some point say to yourself, Mike, I would never charge $7,000 for love work. I would never charge $500 single glass-encased vigil candle. I would never charge $1,500 for four ounces of conjure oil. You have to, because you have to understand. You have to have a line where you can start saying, this starts to seem a little hinky to me. And if you don't, you're a part of it. And if you're taking money, from clients to do anything and you're not doing it, you're a part of it. And you have to get straight with yourself, straight with your allies, your powers, your ancestors, everybody, and do right by your clients. And if not, you're not a sexual worker, you're a con artist. And if I ever catch you, I'll be the first to turn you in. I'll be the first to cast my finger at you. J'accuse! Because I refuse to be dirty, and I refuse to be a part of that. So consider what we've talked about this evening. Please have some sympathy, have some empathy, and have some understanding for people this has happened to. Educate yourself on what the gypsy scam is and how these scams work so that you can aid people. Become a part of reputable, reputable organizations. If you don't like AIR, hey, become a member of a different reputable organization. If you can't find a reputable organization, start one. Adhere to something. Certainly. Adhere to something. Become a force for justice, not a force for crime. Because if not, well, in the end, your cheating heart is going to tell on you. Try to sleep, but sleep won't come 
the whole night through Your cheating heart will tell on you When tears come down like falling rain You'll toss around and call my name Hank Williams Sr. with your cheating heart. And you know, in his own way, way back when, he was just trying to tell something. He was just trying to, you know, send out a message, just trying to send out a little signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Manali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7, Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday, 5 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30, and On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand. Saturdays, noon to 3. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. 
Thank you, Troll Towelhead. That was, of course, Troll Towelhead, our chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network. Uh, tonight, it might go a little bit later than 7.30 uh, Pacific, as we're warned at the top of the show. Well, folks, we are, as I said this week, back in the studio. We were at the repeater last week, just me and Johnny. And so we're back home in the comfort and the conditioning. And we are, as always, extremely proud and happy to have with us the former host of our own local KXTV's Monster Chiller Horror Theater, the one, the only, Count Goulash is with us. And Count Goulash is going to tell us a little bit about our sponsor. Take it away, Count Goulash. Thank you, Professor. This is Count Goulash. Oh, oh, it's so scary. I'm here to talk to you once again about the La Kimaljo Curio Company of 6632 Cavi Road, Forestville, California. Oh, oh, that's right. La Kimaljo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, since powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, and books, as well as spell kits for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. That's the Lucky Mojo Cure. Me of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Why not stop on by and visit them? The kids will love it. They can go and see the trains, the incredibly small and tiny trains, and you can sit there and watch them go around and around and around and around as you go sleepier and sleepier slowly coming under my wheel. Or you can go over and visit the world's smallest yet sanctified church. That's right, the missionary independent spiritual church. And take a few moments of quiet meditation and prayer before going on into the shop and browsing the aisles, looking at thousands and thousands of magical goods from all over the world and handmade there at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Carvey Road, Forestville, California. But if you can't get there yourself, oh, what a spooky idea. Oh, don't worry, because you can go and visit them online at www.luckymojo.com and spend hours going through the log. So once again, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. Tell them Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Kent. What he's just he's great. He's just he's just great. You know, I just love it. Every every time we're able to have him come in, he's he's just a consummate professional, just a wonderful guy, fun. Got great stories. I mean, you should. Uh, his stories about Bella Lugosi are 
amazing. Anyway, up next, a little segment I like to call... That's right, Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. And tonight, we're going to be talking about sleep. That's right, sleep in Scripture and in the Bible and within magical use. Because we're going to be talking about laying down and going to sleep, not sleepwalking. That was Santo and Johnny with Sleepwalk. No one got our name it and claim it. There'll be one more later on tonight. And that leads us into this week's Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. And tonight we're going to be talking about sleep and the biblical concept of sleep. Sleep, of course, is a significant part of the human experience, and therefore it should be of no surprise to anyone that biblical writers often allude, alluded to it. And there are, of course, a variety of ways that sleep is spoken of, and it, the idea of sleep is employed in the literature of Scripture. Obviously, first and foremost, is literal sleep. And the word sleep is used literally uh, for the state of the body in normal unconscious repose. And we see this throughout the totality of the Bible. We see it in Mark, where Jesus, uh, while crossing the Sea of Galilee, is sleeping on a cushion in the stern of the boat. Um, 
But what's interesting to note is that scripture refers to different levels of sleep. We talk about light sleep and deep sleep and how in deep sleep, some people can uh, even fall from windows to the ground, such an act. Acts 29, in fact. And so this is somewhat similar to science's distinction between a lighter sleep and a deeper sleep. Lighter sleep being uh, REM or rapid eye movement, dream stage sleep, and deeper sleep being non-REM sleep. And deep sleep, in fact, represents about 75% of our sleep. Now, the term sleep is also used symbolically in several different senses in the Bible. Uh, and a consideration of those different types is somewhat interesting, and so I'll get into it a bit with you. First of all, what about God? Does God sleep? Well, now the concept of sleeping is biblically employed with figurative language to stress certain truths about God. It is emphasized that God is ever watchful of our needs, such as in Psalms 121, which we will come back to in a moment where it is said, he will not allow our foot to sleep, uh, excuse me, he will not allow our foot to slip. He who keeps will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And also in Psalms, we hear from Psalms 4, in peace I will both lay me down and sleep, for you, O God, alone make me dwell in safety. On the other hand, we do hear again in the earlier part of the Bible that when the Hebrew or the Israelite children drifted into sin and the Lord allowed them to suffer the consequences of that was as if he was asleep. He did not intervene to deliver them from certain troubles. So as an example in Psalms 44, we hear, awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Sleep is also used occasionally in the Bible as an equivalent for laziness, and we see this in Proverbs 6. It is also spoken of uh, figuratively as part of the destruction of the wicked, which we see. Uh, Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for jackals, an astonishment and a hissing without inhabitation. They are heated, I will make their feast, and I will make them drunken, that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the Lord. Sleep also is uh, used figuratively to represent spiritual apathy, such as we see in Romans 13, and this knowing the season, that already it is time for you to awake out of sleep, for now is salvation nearer to us than when we first believed. Or in Ephesians, awake, you who are sleeping, and arise from the dead, and shall shine on you. Finally, we also see it as uh, a sense of being unprepared, such as in Mark 13. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the Lord of the house coming, lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping. Or in First Thessalonians, uh, let us not sleep as do the rest, but let us watch and be sober. And it is sometimes spoken of as in relationship to the dead, that the dead but sleep while their spirit is under consideration of the future resurrection, as is promised in the New Testament. But sleep also has a number of things that relate to it 
in terms of spiritual work. There is a general belief that while asleep, one is visited by one's ancestors or helpful agencies, such as the ministering angel or allied forces that bring to one prophetic or warning or informative dreams. And this, of course, relates back in hoodoo to where we see dream books, where you wake up, oh, I had this dream, and I dreamt that a cow chased another cow into a burning barn, and then three cows came out of the burning barn, and they went into a white church, and then I had to catch a streetcar. And so you go to your dream book, and you look up cows, and you look up a burning barn, and you look up a white church, and you look up streetcar, and then these relate to a certain set of numbers, which will be your lucky numbers that you'll use to play numbers with. Uh, to play the lottery with well we also see a recommendation in hoodoo uh, for various materia magica to be used uh, while one sleeps to protect one because there is this belief that when one is asleep one is not exactly in one's body or one is spiritually vulnerable or certainly physically vulnerable and therefore, during sleep, one needs protection. And one such protection, as I said we would go back to, is the use of the 121st Psalm, which can be used in a variety of ways. It can be prayed before, right before one goes to sleep. Its passage in the Bible can be marked either with a sharp blade or with a pair of open scissors. And this would be to cut off or sever any uh, baleful or evil influence that comes towards one. We also have the concept of hag writing. When one is asleep, one can be taken over and ridden by a hag. And how you protect yourself by that, by the scattering around of salt around your bed, etc. And so there is this idea that sleep is a different state. And that when we are asleep, we are in a different spiritual place than when we are awake. And therefore, not only might we need protection or protective measures or talismanic aid while we sleep, but that also while asleep we can gain wisdom and insight, lucky numbers, and there are a variety of things in hoodoo that talk about how you may obtain lucky numbers while asleep, not just through the use of a dream book, but also through stuffing your pillow with certain substances, writing numbers on your pillow, saying certain biblical passages before sleep, etc. And of course, most of us remember that as children we had nighttime prayers before sleep, and of course, uh, Jews say their night to the Shema before sleep each night. And so there is this idea that sleep is a divider, that sleep is a divider between, and it is, between the conscious and the unconscious, between awake and being asleep, but also between spiritual states, and that while asleep we can accomplish great things, or that things can be done to us. So I would suggest this week that you take a little time to go out and study sleep in the scriptures, whether they be the Christian scriptures, Jewish scriptures, uh, Hindu scriptures, Islamic scriptures, and see the role that sleep places, that sleep, the place that sleep takes uh, within the 
world and context of these religions and spiritual work as well, as well as go back and go through your own knowledge about various herbs and various roots and how some of them are used for during sleep or upon awakening, because awakening is another. Here's the next divider. Uh, I have been asleep, and now I awaken. Now I'm conscious again. And there's a lot of spiritual and scriptural talk about that one's soul returns to oneself, that it has been adrift, that it has been someplace else. So that's just been a little bit about sleep this week. As always, our information for the Secrets of Scriptural Nursery comes to us each and every week from Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery by Miss McHale and myself. And we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, we're going to go to the kitchen, although I suppose we should instead go to... And we'll be talking about pyrite. That's right, pyrite. And up next, our last name it and claim it. Can anybody, without the use of Google, name and claim this song? Come on, hurry up and rush in. Who's rushing? Where is and so I come to you, my love, my heart above my head, though I see the danger There's a chance for me Then I don't care Fools rushing Where wise men never go But wise men never fall
That was, of course, Fools Rush In, Where Angels Fear to Tread. It's the classic old Johnny Mercer and Rube Bloom song, just, a, just a, a, an old classic. As far as our name it and claim it goes this week, well, here's how it's going to break down. Gia, I hope I said your name right. She gets the first cookie because she was the first one to name it as Fool's Rush. Congratulations, Gia. You get a cookie. Uh, not from me, but from someone. Just, you know, basically say, hey, I'm owed a cookie, and they'll probably give it to you. I don't know. Um, our second cookie goes out to our own Catherine Ironwood, who, although she was incorrect by saying Helen Forrest, it is not Helen Forrest. It is, in fact, Joe Stafford. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was Joe Stafford with Fools Rush In. Our own dear Catherine Ironwood gets a cookie for even mentioning Helen Forrest. Are you kidding me? Give that one a cookie when she doesn't have her hands in goofer dust. No goofer dust cookies. <laughs> that leads us into our In the Kitchen section this evening, although you probably will not be finding this in your kitchen. We're talking about mineral pyrite or iron pyrite, also known as fool's gold, hence when fools rush in, which is an iron sulfide uh, and this mineral's metallic luster and pale brass yellow hue gives it a superficial resemblance to gold, hence its well-known nickname of fool's gold. Also, I should say that right in its natural form, in its natural crystalline form, forms cubic crystals. The color has led it to also be nicknamed Brass, Brazil, and Brazil, primarily when referencing pyrite found in coal. And pyrite is held in high regard as a powerful amulet. It is used for the purposes of bringing good fortune in business, money matters, and games of chance. And a few of the uses for it include using it for gambling luck. To do this, if you happen to play at games of chance, you can use pyrite to bring in the winnings. Business people use it to draw money to a store. And this is done by keeping a piece of pyrite on an altar where you burn green candles or in a drawer with the cash, dressing it regularly with money drawing oil and reciting the 23rd Psalm over it. It can also be used in a money mojo, and to do this, you place a small piece of pyrite in a green flannel money drying mojo hand along with lodestones or money luck herbs such as cinnamon, mag, allspice, chamomile, Irish moss, bayberry, alfalfa, or high john conqueror. It can also be used to be placed in money drawing oil lamps. So if you have an oil lamp that you are dedicating to money drawing or again even 
Gamma. You can either a chunk of pyrite or pyrite grit into the bell or well, if you prefer, of the dressed oil lamp, along with other money drawn or gambling luck, curios, herbs, etc. So in other words, if you were using this for gambling luck and you played dice, you might add a pair of dice into the bell of that, the font of that, uh, of that lamp before you put the oil, of course. And in both cases, you would, if you cared to, use a green colored lamp oil, which you can color yourself either with soap dyes, or sometimes you can actually find pre-colored lamp oil. But if you can't, and you still want colored lamp oil, you just use soap dyes. Use water-based dyes, they'll just beat up in the oil. Remember children, water and oil don't mix. Pyrite can also be used, as we've seen, alongside lodestones for a variety of means. Uh, pyrite can also be used to represent anything that you in Conjure are trying to present as something it's not, to lure or attract something one way or the other. Uh, you would use the pyrite as a stand-in because, again, it looks like gold, but it's not. So those are just a few of the uses of pyrite. And I hope this week you'll take a little time and find the pyrite that's lost in your house. That went out to specifically someone. Or study up a bit about pyrite. And of course, the information in our In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week from Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show and every week. Well, we went a little bit over, about 10 minutes over. I warned you at the top of the uh, top of the show, actually, that we were going to. And I would love to stay and talk more about pyrite and sleep. We could talk about sleep forever. Um, again, spend a little time this week looking up and trying to understand the kind of highly egregious and just just ethically wrong scams that quote on spiritual workers, they're not spiritual workers, uh, do. And so you can be educated so you can help your clients or if you aren't yet a worker or professional worker so that you'll know what to do when that comes to the table in front of you. If you are a worker, either uh, allying yourself to aiding or helping to build a ethical organization of spiritual workers in your own community. I'd love to stay. I have so much to say, but but this is it. I mean, it, it's all over. Count Goulash has already left, and he, he drives this big purple suit so flames on this end, and he's gone, and Johnny's not even here. Anymore. I mean, this is it. This is This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Only Fordway, Texas, and Goulas, Texas, Cattle, and Dumbled back to Fordway. Come on down to Dallas, King Kong, Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City, and Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the door.
West Texas, going through Dallas, Hotel, Grand Sling, Silver Lake, Mineola, Tyler, Longview, Jefferson, Marshall, Little Sandy, Big Sandy, Texarkana, and Double Badger Boulevard. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.